You're listening to the Central City Assembly Podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for him. We pray this episode blesses you, impacts you, and fills you with kingdom purpose. I had a powerful spiritual moment the other day while pondering Newton's law of universal gravitation. Yeah, no joke. I I was thinking about the topic of worship and, and like what often happens when I'm deep in thought, gravity just dropped into my brain. Now, a lot of times those ricochet thoughts are random and and are of little value. And I try to dismiss them so I can go back to what I was thinking about. But this one about gravity, it wouldn't go away. And it actually added so much weight to my thoughts about worship. Because when you look at the the principles of worship and you look at the laws of gravity, they are profoundly similar. And as I was thinking about worship and gravity, I found myself in this place of awe and wonder about how awesome God is. So in this fourth week of our home church series, I want to talk to you about worship by also talking about gravity. Because like gravity, worship adds weight to your life. Like gravity, worship keeps you grounded to what's most important. Like gravity, worship keeps your world from coming undone and drifting into chaos. Like gravity, worship pulls you into the warm embrace of the Son, the Son of God, who upholds the universe by the power of of his word. And so the title of today's message is The Gravity of Worship. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are with us right now in a big way. God, we thank you that that your presence is full, it is rich, it is massive. And God, we pray that you would help us to see that right now. Lord, that as we're, we, we've worshiped, as we uh, dig into your word, God, uh, what we're doing is we're putting you at the center of our life, God, and, and that is worship. And we pray that you would just lead us in that worship this morning. We look forward to the great things that you're going to do in our homes as we're meeting throughout Tucson and also just in our personal lives. We thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, so so uh, we're in our home church series, and We're learning how the church, the the body of Christ, continues to thrive when it can't gather together as the church. We're learning that most of what happens during our church gatherings should also be happening in our homes. What happens at church? Reading God's word, praying, worshiping, serving others should be in addition to what we already do in our homes. And so today we are focusing on the subject of worship, and I want to use uh, gravity to paint a cosmic picture of worship. It's going to be a science kind of day. I even have my uh, T-Rex button-up shirt on just for this occasion. So what is gravity? Well, Well, that's something scientists have been trying to understand since Isaac Newton first started seriously studying gravity after As legend says, an apple fell from a tree and landed on his head back in the mid-1600s. We know more about gravity now than we did back then, 
but there's a lot about it that is still a mystery. Okay, but let's get into uh, the basics of gravity. We're, we're going to have a bit of a, a science lesson today, if that's okay with you. So Newton's law of universal gravitation states that every point mass attracts every other point mass by a force acting along the line intersecting the two points. The force is proportional to the product of the two masses and inversely proportional to the square of the distance between them. Everybody get that? Now, some of you are like, did Pastor Kai just speak in tongues? Does anybody have an interpretation? I know, right? That, that's not a very simple explanation of gravity. All right, so let's make it more simple. Uh, Newton's law of universal gravitation simply states that every object in the universe attracts every other object in the universe. The amount of force of that attraction depends on the mass of the object. So if you're sitting in front of your television right now, you may be surprised to know that your television is attracting you, pulling you closer to it. But because the mass of the TV is so small compared to the mass of the earth, you don't notice the physical pull toward your television. It's pretty incredible. Right, so, so the greater the mass of something, the greater the gravitational force it has. Uh, another way to think of it is that if the sun was sun, somehow able to increase its mass, then everything in our solar system would be pulled in closer to it. Also, if the sun was able to decrease its mass, then everything in our solar system would move farther away from it. In fact, or I guess technically in theory, uh, our sun is gradually losing mass. Because in order to, to give us warmth and light, it has to use its mass as fuel. So our sun is losing mass and everything in our solar system is gradually moving away from the sun because as its mass reduces, so does its gravitational force. But it's so small that it's hard to measure or really even see its effects. Mass is very important when it comes to gravity. And distance is also very important when thinking about gravity. Because the, the second part of that not-so-simple explanation of gravity says that the force of gravity that something produces changes with distance. So the further away you move from a massive object, the less, sorry, the less force it has on you, which is why you become weightless in space away from the surface of the earth. And actually, even the amount of gravitational force on the earth varies from place to place on the earth. Okay, there is more gravita gravitational force at the North Pole than there is at the equator. So if you weighed yourself at the equator and, and then weighed yourself at the North Pole, you would be 0.5% heavier at the North Pole. Crazy, right? And so everything, no matter how big or, or small, produces gravitational force. The more mass that something has, the greater the gravitational force, the greater the pull or attraction it has on you and every other object around it. And the distance between you and an object plays a part in the amount of gravitational force or pull or attraction it has on you. And when I think about the basic principles of gravity, 
I can't help but see them also as the basic principles of worship. And I think we all have a pretty basic understanding of of worship. I think we all understand that worship isn't just about singing songs, but worship does include that. I think we all understand that worship in the context of our faith is really a lifestyle of praise, adoration, and reverence to God that happens in many different ways. When you sing, not just the words on the screen, but but from your heart, soul, and mind about God's goodness, that's worship. When you love people well by serving them as God instructs us to, that's worship. Worship can happen in every aspect of your life. You can eat a good meal and worship to God. Somebody say amen, right? You can work or go to school and worship to God. You can enjoy a hike in nature and worship to God. Even sex and the holy confines of marriage can be an act of worship to God. Somebody say amen. And so like gravity, worship is everywhere. And like gravity, everything in the universe is producing worship. Psalm chapter 96 verses 11 and 12 say, Let the heavens be glad and let earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. In Luke chapter 19, Jesus was asked by the religious leaders of the day to rebuke his disciples for worshiping him. But Jesus replied that even if he silenced his disciples, the very rocks of the earth would cry out in worship to him. Worship is everywhere and it's happening all around us. Everything in the universe is producing Worship. Worship is that lifestyle of praise, adoration, and reverence to God. But just like the force of gravity is dependent upon the mass of something and the distance between that mass and other objects, the same is true for worship. The power and effectiveness of our worship is dependent upon mass and distance. Because while gravity is just there, right? We can't really control or alter it. Worship, on the other hand, is a choice. We have control over our worship, and we can choose where we direct our worship. We can direct our worship to God and God alone, or we can also direct our worship to other created people and things. And if we had to figuratively measure the mass of God compared to other created people and things— Who would have the greater mass? God. He's the greatest, most powerful being in the cosmos. He is almighty God and everlasting Father. And so when we direct our worship towards God, it has greater power and effect because God has the greatest mass, so to speak. We are satisfied and fulfilled when we direct our worship towards God. But when we direct our worship towards things of lesser mass than God, our worship is less effective and less powerful and actually leads to difficulty for us. In Romans chapter 1, Paul addresses the effects of this misdirected worship. He says in verse 21 through 25, For although they knew God, 
They did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And so the power and effectiveness of our worship is dependent on mass and it's also dependent on distance. And what I mean by that is, is you can't worship God from a distance. When you look at the verses in the Bible about worship unto God, all of them talk about first coming into the presence of God and drawing near to him. Because gravity and worship are the same in that when you move further away from an object of great mass, the less of an attraction or pull it has on you. And the further you are away from God, the less power and effect your worship has. Powerful and effective worship can only happen when you surrender to the pull and attraction of God and allow yourself to draw near to him. I love the story of the two Marys who were greeted by Jesus after his resurrection. And in Matthew chapter 28, verses 8 and 9, after the angel tells the two Marys, go tell the other disciples that Jesus is alive, it says this, So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. Now look at this image of worship. It says, And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. The two Marys knew that worship and praise of their risen Savior couldn't happen at a distance. And so they couldn't help but draw near to Jesus, so near that they could grab a hold of his feet and worship him. That's why we started this whole series with with savoring scripture and, and cultivating communion with God, friending God, because it impacts and magnifies our worship of him. But I think for many of us, too often, we grab a hold of the feet of other people and things in our lives. Because it's true that that just like everything in the universe produces a gravitational force or pull, everything in the universe also produces a pull of our attention, our time, our service, our respect, our devotion, and so forth. And when we move away from God, we are drawn into the pull or the force of those other things. We draw near to other people and things, hoping they will fulfill in us what only close and personal worship with God can truly fulfill. We devote our worship, our lifestyle of praise and adoration and reverence to other created things rather than God, and we suffer the negative effects of weak and ineffective worship. But what's scary is that worship of those other things can actually feel satisfying and fulfilling for a time. And this reminds me of something in physics called false gravity. 
And you are actually more familiar with false gravity than you might think. Uh, Because have you ever taken a bucket with some water in it and then tried to spin it around to keep the water from falling out? Right? The force that keeps the water in the bucket is called centrifugal force. But physicists will tell you that centrifugal force isn't actually a force at all. Centrifugal force is actually the result of one of Newton's other laws of motion at play. In fact, scientists believe that centrifugal force is the solution to producing simulated or artificial or false gravity for astronauts to counter the health effects of prolonged weightlessness in space. And if it were possible to build a spacecraft big enough to spin fast enough to simulate gravity equal to that of the Earth's, it would feel like gravity, but it wouldn't be real gravity. And get this. In order for false gravity to work properly, it has to do things opposite to what real gravity does. What do I mean? Well, real gravity pulls objects close to each other, but false gravity pushes objects away, away from center. In order for me to be pulled into the Earth's gravity, I have to have less mass than the Earth. But in false gravity, it is my mass that is most important. In real gravity, if you move too quickly, you can actually escape the gravitational pull of an object. But in false gravity, the faster you move, the more you feel the false gravity. And false gravity and false worship of created things is the same. When we worship created things, our false worship pushes us away from God as our center. When we worship created things, our false worship is more about self than God. When we worship created things, we are in a constant state of hurry and movement in order to keep up with the ever-changing demands of the created things we worship. And though the these are all contrary to true gravity. It can feel true. It can feel satisfying for a moment, even though it is false. And we see a great example of this in the story of Mary and Martha. In Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Did you notice the the two gravities at work in this passage? Did you notice how Martha was being pulled or distracted with much serving and it kept her away from Jesus? She was hurried and moving. She was thinking about self, help me, help me. And that false gravity, so to speak, made her feel like she was actually doing something good and it was more important. But it ultimately led to rebuke by Jesus. 
But Mary, on the other hand, she allowed herself to be pulled in by the gravity, her worship of Jesus. Mary drew near to Jesus and experienced stillness and rest at his feet. Her world was grounded and stabled in that moment in Jesus' presence. Her recognition of Jesus as the greatest, most massive person in the room and her near proximity to him led to Jesus' blessing, a good portion which could not be taken away from her. And the last thing I want to say about gravity and, and worship is that when we allow ourselves to be pulled in by Jesus in our worship to him, then everything else in our lives must also be pulled into. Because sometimes difficult things happen in our lives. Sometimes we encounter troubles and struggles that are, are much bigger than ourselves and we can't help but be pulled in by those things. The death of a loved one is massive. A prognosis of cancer is massive. A relationship falling apart, it's massive. Depression and anxiety are massive. And our whole life, our attention, our time can be sucked into those things, and rightfully so. Sometimes we can't help it, and that's not wrong. That's not false worship or anything like that. Those kinds of things are oftentimes just out of our control. But here's what I find so encouraging and so comforting is that even when we encounter those massive things in our lives, there's someone who is always bigger and more massive, and his name is Jesus. And when we position Jesus at the center of our lives, as, as the biggest, most important person in our lives that everything else revolves around, then nothing can escape his gravitational pull. And the bigger we make Jesus in our lives, the closer we are drawn to him. But it's not just us who are drawn to Jesus, but everything else in our lives, everything in our universe that is smaller than Jesus is also drawn to him. So get this. That means when we worship and bow down to Jesus, then cancer must also bow down to Jesus the spirit of divorce must also bow down to Jesus. Depression and anxiety must also bow down to Jesus. Even the pain and suffering of death must also bow down to Jesus. When we bow down and worship to Jesus in our everyday lives, then everything in our lives must also bow down to him. Nothing can escape his love. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so again, the principles of worship have similar principles to gravity. How big, how massive is Jesus to you in your life? How close or near are you to him? Are you allowing yourself to be pulled in by the magnitude of who Jesus is and what he's done for you? And what kind of effect does that have on your worship?
your lifestyle of praise, adoration, and reverence to God? Are you experiencing true gravity, true worship of Jesus in your daily life? Or have you settled for false gravity, a false worship of, of other people and things? And what struggles are you facing in this season of life right now? Because when we bow down and worship to Jesus and draw near to him, everything else in our lives must also bow down to him. Let me pray for you. God, you, you know every single one of our circumstances. God, you know what's, what's happening in the physical all around us. You know what's happening in the spiritual and in the mental, the emotional, God. But today, we just declare that, God, you are bigger. You are more massive. You are greater than all of those things. And right now, as we're praying, God, we, again, put you at the center of our lives. And we worship you. We allow ourselves to be drawn in by who you are and what you've done for us. We bow down to you today, God. And we know that as we bow down to you, as we put you as center, as we position you as the greatest in our lives, everything else in our lives has to bow down to you too. That is our confident and bold declaration this morning. And God, through that declaration, would you do a mighty work in every single one of us? Would you revive that heart of worship in us again? That we'd move beyond just singing to, to even deeper worship, to that lifestyle of praise and adoration and reverence to you, God, in every season of our lives. God, you are so good to us. And we remember that today. We thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so we, we want you to take advantage of your gathering at home this week. Uh, we want to give you the opportunity to really build fellowship, build communion with those that you're with. Um, and so we've put together some questions that we'd love for you to, to discuss with one another. And so here are the questions up on the screen. You can take a picture of them now. Uh, and then when the live stream is done, it'd be awesome if you could just discuss together. So here's question number one. What does worship look like for you beyond Sunday mornings? Question number two. In what ways have you allowed other created things to have a greater pull or gravitational force on your life than Jesus? Question number three. What can we learn about worship from the story of Martha and Mary? And finally, question number four, what will grabbing a hold of Jesus's feet in worship look like for you this week? Church family and guests who are joining us online, we just want to thank you for, for being with us this morning. We want to thank you for entering into worship of, of our God and magnifying him, making him bigger in your life. We want to thank you for just receiving God's word this morning. We believe uh, that as you apply it, as you uh, internalize it, God's going to do great things in your life. Thank you for listening. 
If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you.